Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, taping on a Sunday. How was your weekend? Uh, great weekend, yeah. Watched a bunch of golf. A bunch of golf. We had uh, an OSU cowgirl in the mornings in Northern Ireland, and then uh, PGA Tour all afternoon, and then the U.S. Women's Am, which uh, is out at Chambers Base. It's been going until like 9 or 10 o'clock every night. So I've been watching a ton of golf and hanging out with the baby. It's been a great weekend. How about you? Yeah, I watched a little bit of the golf today. I saw the Zalatoris playoff, which was nuts. I was glad to see he finally won a tournament. He's been so close, second place, and you know several majors. And it was his time was was up, and uh, finally he got a win. So that was that was fun to watch for sure. Yeah, it definitely was. And you know, um, he was due to get one. Now there's another guy who's due to get one soon, Carson. It's been a while since he hoisted a trophy. Any guesses as to who I'm alluding to here? You Fowler? How about Victor Hovland? It's been a cool minute since Victor Hovland's hoisted a trophy. He had a great fall last year and into the winter. He was riding a hot streak, and he's just kind of had a, a very average season, if yeah, we're being he, honest. So he got up to like what, like three in the world at one point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's I mean, it's not like he's tumbled, but uh, let's see. I'm pulling it up right now. I mean, he's ninth in the world right now. Like, I mean, you're the ninth best golfer on planet Earth. You're doing something right, but his season's just been very average. I've been waiting for that contention he was in the final round of uh the final pairing at the open we talked about that some whenever he finished t4 but i mean before that he had a couple of missed cuts in a row uh his last top 10 finish before the open was at the players that's back in march before major championship season even started so uh played decent this week i'll be looking for victor hovland to hopefully make a charge in one of the last two playoff events because he's way too good to just kind of be hovering in the t25 every week colby don't be down great a kid who does everything right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we got we got to talk about the Mike Gundy rant. He turned fifty five this week, uh, which just we all feel old. No one's the kid here anymore after fifteen years. Is how long that that rant has has been living with us. And we're going to talk about that, Mike Gundy, and much more. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Football season is rapidly approaching, so. Get your freshest OSU gear down on uh, down in Stilly, and uh, we'll, we'll see you at Boone Pickens Stadium. We're, we're excited for football to be here, and we're certainly excited for Chris's to be a part with this show, as as always. And I, I did have a – as we talk about the Gundy thing first, Colby, I had a great tweet sent to me from a, from a fan that he said he went straight to Chris's University Spirit, and he bought a jersey with the number 40 on it. And on the back it said, I'm a man with an exclamation point on, on the nameplate. I thought that was uh, excellent. So if you, if you still <laughs> – Want a customized jersey like that? Chris's is the place to be. Uh, yeah, that is absolutely perfect. I did not know that those were still in circulation, but they should be because, if I'm not mistaken, we just had an anniversary. Uh, so, yeah, the I'm a man, I'm 40. I don't know that that will ever actually disappear from Stillwater. Cars. I mean, it might be in 2050, is I'm a man, I'm 40 still going to be a thing people talk about, or is that going to be like just us olds at that point reminiscing? Well, I turned 40 in two years now since my birthday was a couple weeks ago. So it's definitely getting brought up whenever I turn 40. I think when anyone turns 40, it's just a natural thing to say. And, and what I love so much about it, I tweeted out the video 
uh, courtesy of my buddy Dylan Buckingham at Channel 4. And it went kind of viral because I kind of like shaped it as like, what's your favorite line or quote? There's so many underrated ones. And, and everyone, of course, goes to the, to the, I'm a man, I'm 40. The, this was brought to me by a mother of children was it was a classic and I, I've always brought up the underrated one of when he screams you ever had a child who comes home upset that for some reason that hits me harder than most people but I was curious to get what's your favorite underrated line we all know the mother of children and uh and you know the the, the famous ones is there an underrated one you like so I don't know about underrated because I was going to say mother of children that's my favorite one because the best part about that rant Carson is that the inflection in his voice, when the anger pops up, when he goes calm, it's all totally random. It's not actually based on what he's saying. It's just, he's just randomly screaming and then going calm and then screaming and then going calm. And whenever, whenever he throws in that of children in there, honestly, that is my favorite. And you kind of already alluded to it. But uh, yeah, I thought that that would be my, my under the radar favorite, but I guess some more people have picked up on that one. Yeah, a lot of people mentioned be downgrade because he says belittle after downgrading it turned into be downgrade people say they use that in their everyday speech and it's another good one one of my favorite tweets was uh someone said they used the line where he says they're supposed to be mature adults but they're really not talking oh. about they says they he's, he, they said that they use that with their kids when they're acting up they're supposed to be mature adults. and uh you got, got a lot of that ain't true they people use that i just thought that and what was amazing to me cole because i was covering the the team at the time, the, the amazing thing to me was how that was totally Mike Gundy because a lot of his go-to phrases were kind of packed in there. He, whenever he would talk about Kendall Hunters, like he, that's a kid that does everything right. He goes to class, he, he's on time. You know, a lot of his little kind of bullet points, talking points were in there, which shows you he was totally speaking off the cuff. And uh, so, yeah, I think it'll live on forever. Yeah, I think it will too. The one to me that I use the most in my daily life, I'm curious which one you use the most. I don't use it every day, but just from time to time, that ain't true is absolutely the one I use most in my daily life. I'm from Chickasha, so I've got a little bit of country in my voice and I can get it even a little bit more country if I want to. So whenever I hit the that ain't true in my real life, I always try to get real deep with that ain't true and just really lean into it. So that's probably in my actual life using it. That's probably my number one. One of my favorite things to do was, uh, I guess it wasn't homework because I was out of college by the time, or no, it, the rant happened when I was in college and I'd bring like paperwork, like my grade home to like my friends and I'd hold it up. I go, three fourths is inaccurate, fiction. <laughs> so that, that was one of my favorite ones to go to as well. So. I, I also, for a long time after that rant, I took the U out of accurate and inaccurate. Because, I mean, Mike Gundy didn't use the U. It's just accurate and inaccurate. And that wasn't just specifically to that rant. He doesn't use the U in those words still to this day. But, yeah, for a long time after the rant, I took the U out of accurate and inaccurate. Oh, you're not alone. People were spelling that out, like, inaccurate in my uh, replies to my tweets. So that, that was a lot of fun. I cannot believe that was 15 years ago. But it, it just shows you the longevity of Mike Gundy. And, and again, he's he's done a lot since then. He's won a lot of football games. He's we all know his resume, but that's going to be like in the first paragraph of his obituary is like that's what the rest of the country is going to know him for. And that's just that's just what it is. And, and a lot I got a lot of tweets for people saying, you know, they they respected how much he stood up for his player. And I, I did think that went a long way 
uh, on the recruiting trail with parents as well, even though he was completely losing his mind with, with Jenny Carlson. So that can't believe that was 15 years ago. Let's get to some bit of news here, Colby. Uh, Oklahoma State in the coaches poll was ranked 11th. That's even a little bit higher than, than maybe I thought. I think they were 13th in one of those early edition polls from CBS. But you got Oklahoma State 11, Colby, Baylor 10, Oklahoma 9. So that I think that's – that's about where I would put them, and I think that that just shows you how how tight the Big 12 championship race is going to be this year. Yeah, I think that it's just right with where those three teams are because I don't think that any of them are elite. I mean, there's question marks across the board for all three. Baylor's got Shapin coming in. They lose some of those big names on defense as well. OU, obviously, we know what's happened there. Just complete coaching overhaul uh, with Lincoln Riley on the way out the door and then the drama in Norman last week. As well, I mean, obviously, we're not getting on here uh, until Sunday night. We had some busy, busy schedules that were conflicting this week, but the drama down in Norman, uh, and then you got Oklahoma State, who has to replace a lot of guys on that defense. Malcolm Rodriguez uh, being the biggest one, but again, Devin Harper, the guys on the back end of the secondary, Holmes, Harvell, Peel, Sterling, all those guys, uh, and then you got to replace Jalen Warren and Tay Martin. So I think just just on the back end of the top ten, OU at nine, Baylor at ten, OSU at eleven. That feels about right. The one team that's ahead of them at eight is Utah. One team behind them at 12 is Oregon. Those are probably fairly interchangeable throughout the season. I think the Big 12 teams are probably better than those schools, but that probably has a little bit to do with my my bias and lack of respect for the Big 12. Uh, not the Big 12, the Pac-12 as a conference. Uh, so, yeah, I think that just right on the back end of the top 10 is an appropriate place for all three of those schools. I also think, Carson, that you could arrange uh, OU, OSU, and Baylor in any particular order, and I don't think I could really fight you too hard on it. No, I, I certainly agree with with all the points you made. And I, I guess I'm a little pleasantly surprised in the fact that, you know, look, Oklahoma State's had great seasons before, recently, under Mike Gundy. You, know, you can go back to all the great seasons he's had where he's won 10 games and won a bowl game. And what happens the following year? They they slot OSU in the, in the high 20s, if not in the top 25 at all. So I really do think this past season – beating Notre Dame that you and I talked in the entire lead up to that game, how this could change the national perception. I think all the talking points Mike Gundy hit afterwards about we got a logo too. Here's what we've done all this time. I think it made a real impact with the national perception of Oklahoma state football. Cause look, they've had seasons like last year, they've won the Fiesta bowl before, but they didn't, they didn't gain the respect in terms of the national polls and the national perception of the school. So I, I don't know how you feel about it, Colby, but I'm pleasantly surprised. Even though I know it's justified, I am a little bit surprised that they're getting the respect that they've, they, they, they've frankly have earned. Yeah, I am too. I mentioned that Oregon is the school right behind them. I mean, even behind that is NC State, Michigan State, USC, Pittsburgh, Miami, Texas, Wake Forest, Wisconsin. I mean, these are schools, some of them just by name, that in years past maybe would have been ahead of Oklahoma State. I do think that there is a little bit of a narrative shift happening nationally with Oklahoma State. It takes a long time to shift narratives, man. It takes a long time. I think I told the story a few weeks ago, guy I work for, uh, guy I work with at the Golf Channel, big SEC guy, and, and just this was like two, three weeks ago. He's talking about how, well, it must be easy to be in the Big 12 because nobody plays any defense. And I'm like, oh, my God, it is not 2016 anymore. It's, it's been more than half a decade since the Big 12 didn't play any defense. This is a very different conference, but the narrative is always slower to shift than the reality, and I think that that narrative is starting to catch up with reality, which is Oklahoma State's been a top-10 program over the last decade. That's not my opinion. 
Go look at winning percentage over the last 10 years. Go look at winning percentage against top 25 teams over the last 10 years. Total wins over the last 10 years. Oklahoma State sits at the back of the top 10 in the country in all of those metrics, uh, all of those stats. So, uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma State finally is starting to get some respect right alongside the levels of, like, an Oregon, a Michigan State, USC, Miami, Texas, Wisconsin, some of these other schools that have probably had a little bit more respect nationally over the last five years. I think Oklahoma State has caught them a little bit and maybe even passed them uh, because Oklahoma State just continues to exceed expectations and be a really good team. And, yes, I do think that getting the big name in Notre Dame last year, that was a, a heavily watched bowl game. It was an impressive performance from Oklahoma State on both sides of the ball, doing what needed to be done to win. And then Mike Gundy saying, look, we're Oklahoma State. I get it. We weren't around in the 70s winning national titles. I get it. But this is 2022, and we're here to stay, and we've got a good football program. So, uh, yeah, I, I love what I'm seeing nationally in terms of respect for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's exciting, and you got to follow it up, or else people will fall back into the same habit of, ah, it's just Oklahoma State. So I think this year is really important to maintain all the respect that, that Mike Gundy has certainly earned. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, Colby. I did want to ask you about the Kale Gundy story was the biggest story in the state, certainly one of the biggest stories in college football. And Mike Gundy was asked about his brother, who we all know and has been at Oklahoma for, gosh, 23 years as an assistant, obviously played there. Uh, Mike Gundy had an interesting quote. You can tell you didn't really want to talk about it, but because I've noticed this covering Mike, when he didn't want to talk about something, he'll crack a joke about it and then look in the opposite direction and hope he's said enough about it. But he said, um, quote, it gave me enough information for a good chapter in my book whenever I retire, which I don't know about you, Colby. That, that made my eyebrows raise quite a bit because that story is certainly not a joking manner. I know he was just trying to lighten the, lighten the, the mood and the question. I certainly understand that, but am I reading too much into this Colby that there's a whole lot more to this story than we'll ever know or hear about. And we'll have to probably wait till Mike Gundy's book comes out. The whole thing to me, it still feels like we haven't gotten the full story from either side is kind of the way I land on it. Couldn't agree more. There are multiple truths being told as they're viewed from different people uh, on what happened down in Norman. And we probably won't ever know the truth. Uh, you know, I mean, we knew that we knew that the truth was somewhere in the middle when Kale immediately came out and said, yep, said it one time, total accident. And then Brent Venables released a statement and it's like multiple times over and over again. I'm like, okay, somebody's telling the truth. Somebody's lying. We don't know whose players iPad it was. Uh, we don't know exactly what the context was. We have almost no information, Carson, which is crazy to me because you get on social media and, and people want to form such concrete opinions based on such limited information. And, and it's almost not even limited information. It's almost just no information because whenever you have conflicting truths, I mean, how do I know what happened? I wasn't down there. I don't know exactly what Kel said. I don't know how he said it. I don't know who voted for him to stay. I don't know who voted for him to leave. Was he pushed out? Did he resign on, of his own free will? I have no idea. I just know that it's a very, very weird situation and obviously not something OU wanted to be dealing with three weeks before the start of the season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, yeah, you, you mentioned the lack of information. Like, the fact that Brent Venables put out a second statement refuting Kale Gundy's tweet slash statement. It didn't that was, end well. That was weird. That, yeah, that it, it didn't end well. If How are you not on the same page with this after the yeah. resignation? Yep, completely agree. If, if Venables is sending out the second statement in response, then I think that this was a very ugly breakup 
between Cal Gundy and the University of Oklahoma. But again, that's still based on limited information. That's still me having to try to read between the lines because we just, we don't know a whole lot. Uh, we don't. And the, the follow-up question to Mike Gundy's answer was, could we see Kale end up on your staff, Mike, at Oklahoma State? And I, I, I get why that's a question. They're obviously brothers. Uh, he's out of a job. For a guy that's been associated with the University of Oklahoma for 23 years as a coach and, and a player, but beyond that, I just I don't see that happening. But I, I will say this. I think Kale Gundy has stayed at OU out of loyalty to his university, and, he, and he's paid very well to be a position coach. And they won a lot of football games. He won a lot of rings. But I think you really saw how good of a coach he can be when he took over the play-calling duties in the bowl game for Oklahoma against Oregon. He lit Oregon up as the offensive coordinator. They ran the football more than Lincoln Riley ever did. And so I actually, I don't know how you feel, Colby. I wouldn't hate the idea. Let's say Casey Dunn scores 60 points a game this year, gets hired to go be the head coach at wherever. I wouldn't hate the idea at all if Kale Gundy was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. I know that'll make some OSU fans mad because they hate everything associated with, with OU. It's Mike Gundy's brother, and I think he's a heck of a football coach. He's obviously a great recruiter. Now, you do have this controversy kind of looming over his you know, career and, and status as a, as a coach. But from strictly a football perspective, I think he's a heck of a football coach, and I thought he proved that last year. Yeah, I think he is a heck of a football coach. I'm always a little bit wary of the sibling as an assistant for the brother who's a head coach. I mean, we saw it, right? We saw it with Bob and Mike down in Norman. If things go wrong, that guy gets way too long of a leash because he's your brother. And, and look, you don't know that that would be the situation in Stillwater. Who knows? But it just makes me a little bit nervous because, I mean, look, family is family, and it's hard to fire anybody. It's really hard to fire family. I, I just don't know, man. I, I think that that would put you in a position if you're Mike Gundy, where if things went wrong, it would be very hard to, uh, to tell your brother to get lost. So I, I don't know, maybe it goes perfectly right and everything clicks. I, I'm probably different from you on that one. I, I think I would go a different route, avoid the controversy, avoid the family coaching tree, and uh, let's just hire, <laughs> hire some hot young coordinator somewhere that wants to, uh, that wants to recruit. Oh, and I, I think those are very fair points and very fair uh, reasons to not hire Kale. Um, I, I think that's totally fair. And, and again, I don't, I don't think it's happening. So it's not, it's not really, you know, looming or anything like that. I, I think Kale, I think he still wants to coach. I, I think he can have his choice to go a lot of places, including with Mark Stoops out of Kentucky. I mean, that would be a natural fit with his ties to Bob Stoops. But that was kind of the big story of, of the state and certainly involving uh, Mike Gundy's brother. We wanted to hear what he had to say about it, and he, he didn't have a lot to say, but I'm, I'm waiting for Mike Gundy's book. D did you see the, the tweet that Cody Nagel put out asking for uh, book titles? Wrong answers only. My, mine was um, back at it, the life of Mike Gundy and where we're at in society today. Do you have a good Mike Gundy book title for me? I haven't thought this of off anything. off the cuff. I didn't tell you this was coming. No, I did not see that. So now I'm just going right off the top of my head. Um, orange, black, and mullet. <laughs> that works. That's good yeah. off the top of the dome. Yeah. I, I mean, like just off the top of my head, that's the best I can come up with on the spot. Yeah. I like it. So um, he's, my Gundy's had a lot of availabilities. Um, you know, it's pretty much status quo. I haven't, I haven't seen any major injury news, which is great this time of year. That's the last thing you want to hear about uh, ongoing position battles at running back and, and Talon Shetron is of course getting a lot of hype. 
But um, anything sticking out at camp before we move on to the NFL guys? Uh, there was the one injury news, Carson. Um, Did I miss this? I, I, either you missed it or you're just forgetting about it. Blaine Green is out indefinitely with a wrist. And, man, that's just – you hate that. I mean, guys go down in camp every year. But Blaine Green really started to come on and, like, find his role last year as, you know, cowboy back. But he can get out and run routes and catch the ball too. I just – I really think that he had a place in this offense. Now, who knows what indefinitely means. But with a wrist – for a guy who's going to be asked to block as much as Blaine Green is going to be asked to block, I, I would imagine he's going to be out for quite some time. So uh, very disappointed for him for that to happen in the preseason. Yeah, I, I did see the story. He was moving the Cowboy back full time, which that, that was a really nice wrinkle last year, putting him at that position because it, it's kind of like what I always talk about of putting like a Brennan Presley at tailback and having him run routes. It, just, it gets you such a mismatch. Uh, going against a guy who really can't cover that position and that type of skill set. So that's, that's unfortunate, but as, as long as it's not, you know, offensive linemen going down in droves like they did for the last few years, uh, I think they can be able to sustain that loss, and, and hopefully we have no more uh, injury news. But um, Oklahoma State kind of is taking center stage on, on hard knocks. They're covering the Detroit Lions, and Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby, got a lot of camera time. They, they interviewed him a little bit, and he got called up to um, – I think they want him to sing. You know, you, they always make you get up there and sing your alma mater. Aiden Hutchinson was singing Billy Jean. But uh, he's like, I don't sing. So they put on the music and he did a little salsa. I thought it was cool seeing uh, Malcolm Rodriguez become a, a national known figure with his uh, his dance routine. That was pretty yeah, interesting. It, it was very cool to see uh, him having some fun. And he was getting after it, too. I mean, very impressive. He was clapping. He had the whole room into it. I, I think that Malcolm Rodriguez if he hasn't already, is going to win those guys over. Uh, I mean, week one. I mean, he's, he's a shoe in to make the roster, I think. He, he's just – he's such a good football player, and he is such a good tackler. I mean, I've told you the only thing I'm worried about for Oklahoma State's defense this year is can whoever the fill-in guys are tackle like the guys who just walked out the door? Because if you ran up against Malcolm Rodriguez, you were done. No yards after contact. Same thing with Devin Harper. Same thing with those safeties. Even Christian Holmes was a really good tackling corner. So that's my one concern. Uh, but yeah, the Detroit Lions have a good one. And Carson, I know right after the draft, I was really bummed that he went to Detroit. I just, I came on these this podcast. I ripped Detroit to pieces of the entire city. Uh, I think I might have even said, let's just put them right on the other side of the border so we don't have to deal with Detroit anymore but there are some good things happening in Detroit potentially seems like they're having some fun they've improved the roster so hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully one Oklahoma State Cowboy can go to Detroit and not have it totally ruin his career did you remember what I had to say after the draft regarding I, him playing in Detroit I do remember what you had to say yes you were much more upbeat about his chances of immediately seeing the field there uh and you know sitting here on what is today August 14th you might have been right I wish I had the audio prepared, but <laughs> everything I said, we are going to watch and are already watching in real time happen in Detroit, and we're going to get to watch it on Hard Knocks. What I said was, look, I get it. I hate that so many Oklahoma ties, uh, players from Oklahoma have gone up there and, and been mired in mediocrity and losing seasons. But I did say, I think he's going to the perfect head coach. I said, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to crush it on special teams. The very first play of the very first game, who's down there to make a tackle and on a big hit? Malcolm Rodriguez. You watch that episode of Hard Knocks. Dan Campbell is already putting the pads on. He's already saying, I want guys with grit. Big check mark to Malcolm Rodriguez. I want guys 
who can pursue and tackle. That is Malcolm Rodriguez. You can already see Dan Campbell's already given a glowing report on Malcolm Rodriguez in a press conference. He said, you find out about certain guys when you put the pads on and, and Malcolm Rodriguez is flashing all over the field. He's, he's just popping up on every play. And I said on draft day that he went to a terrible organization, but I think he went to the absolutely perfect head coach for him. A guy who's undersized, a guy who's going to be doubted. You know, if it's an offensive coordinator as the head coach, he's probably not going to fall in love in the same way with Malcolm Rodriguez. But I've been reading reports, Colby, that he's already pushing the starters. He's already running with the second teams and getting reps with the first team. I'm predicting right now on August 14th, Malcolm Rodriguez, if he's healthy, finishes the season as a starting middle linebacker for the Detroit Lions. I think he's that good. We saw that throughout his career at OSU. And I just think we're going to see Dan Campbell not only just fall in love with who he is as a football player, but he's just not going to be able to take him off the field, Colby. He's too quick. He's too fast. He doesn't miss tackles. He knows how to read the game. I think he went to the perfect spot. And I think Detroit's going to be a lot better this year. Their Vegas win total is like six wins, which it hasn't been that since Barry Sanders was playing there. So I'm just, I'm so excited, Colby. We get to watch this maturation of Malcolm and watch Dan Campbell just take him under his wing and just fall in love with the guy. Yeah, I hope you're right. I think that you might be right. He is so talented. He's got a place on an NFL roster and as a starter in the NFL. Uh, And like you said, Dan Campbell, he wants guys who can pursue and tackle. He wants Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, And yeah, I mean, you might have been very right about him going to the correct situation in Detroit. Hopefully they can go over that win total. I mean, Jared Goff's not great, but he's fine. He's just a middle-of-the-pack NFL quarterback. A middle-of-the-pack NFL quarterback can win some games if you've got a good roster around them. Uh, They made some improvements to the roster in the offseason. They bolstered up the offensive line. They've got some decent skill position players uh, with with Chark, Jameson Williams coming back off injury, uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield. So hopefully Detroit can be a little bit exciting uh, and can get a little bit of time on my TV uh, because – TV time is very limited during NFL season, Carson. Yep, I, I, I hear that. And, you know, another guy making a lot of noise, and I mean a lot of noise, particularly this past week, is Jalen Warren, the guy that we know Oklahoma State has big shoes to fill at the running back position. He's with the Steelers. He went undrafted, but he had a 70-yard touchdown in, in practice in a scrimmage, and he scored in the first preseason game. And I just think he's one of those guys, just like Malcolm, that – if they give him an opportunity and put him on the field, he's going to just keep making plays. And that's what it's all about in the NFL. You watch these hard knock seasons. They queue up the film. They don't miss a thing. And you pretty much don't give them the choice but to play you and to keep you on the roster. I think Jalen Warren's doing that right now in Pittsburgh. And Colby, like, it's it's Najee Harris, who we all agree is a star in the NFL. Behind him is Benny Snell, who's been there a long time. He never quite does much when the, the starter's out. I think Jalen Warren's got a real shot to make this roster. Yeah, I think he does too. And Carson, Mike Tomlin has never gone under 500 since they took over with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He took over in what, 06 maybe? And he's never gone under 500. You don't do that. It is not possible to do that in that league that is filled with parity unless it is a solid organization who knows what they're doing when it comes to talent evaluation. Jalen Warren did not get brought into Pittsburgh by accident. He, He could be a solid backup for Najee Harris. I mean, like you said, the guys that they have there behind Harris they're just guys. They're just guys that have kind of been around retreads like Benny Snell, who that guy's really not doing much for you. And by the way, Mitchell Trubisky's the one throwing the ball there. So they're going to need 
uh, a guy who can run if something were to happen to Najee Harris. I really hope it's Jalen Warren because he exceeded our wildest expectations. Carson, a year ago, we're talking about Jalen Warren maybe making the Steelers roster. A year ago at this time, you and I were having a conversation about, man, what do we think is going to happen in the backfield? Do we think it's going to be Dominic Richardson? What about this kid that transferred in from Utah State? And now we're talking about him potentially making the Pittsburgh Steelers roster. It has been a major come up for Jalen Warren, and I really hope him to see him on the sidelines for Pittsburgh. Me too. And I, I think what's really going to help him is he's a really good pass blocker. I mean, we saw so many times where he would, he would chip a guy coming at Spencer, and I think that's, that's the final piece for an NFL running back. They will not play you if you cannot pass protect. It's a non-starter. And I think that's something he does really well. He proved that at Oklahoma State. He can catch the ball if you throw it to him as well. So I think he's going to make the roster. And I think he's going to be Najee Harris' backup. I really do. I think he's going to beat out Benny Snell. So that's exciting. And speaking of his backfield mate, Mason Rudolph actually, Colby, is, is lighting it up. He's been the best quarterback in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know they committed the money to uh, Mitch Trubisky. They did draft Kenny Pickett. But kind of like how we've been talking about with these guys, I think Mason's making life pretty easy for them as to who to start uh, game one. He, he apparently was flawless throughout camp, and he, uh, he looked really good to throw to George Pickens for that touchdown in, in their preseason game as well. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what they do on that front because in the NFL, I mean, teams go out and get quarterbacks. They do stuff for a reason, and Mason Rudolph has just been there for so long now without the production in the short spurts that he's gotten that, I, I mean, I really hope that maybe he's turned a quarter and he's come around, but I hope that the organization gives him a chance if he is, in fact, producing best leading up to week one because I, I just think it's going to be very tempting for the Steelers to say, look, we brought in Trubisky in the offseason. He's been backing up Josh Allen. Let's give him a chance, see if he can realize that that top two draft potential. And then you got Kenny Pickett, who they drafted. So I, I do think that there are some politics involved uh, in a situation like Pittsburgh's trying to decide who to run out there at quarterback. But hopefully they just go with the best guy, and hopefully that's Rudolph because, yeah, look, Rudolph has not been good in, in fill-in work for Ben Roethlisberger, but fill-in work – coming in on a one-week situation in November in Pittsburgh when it's 42 degrees and windy and raining, that's different than being the starter, prepping throughout the week, every week, going into week one. I, I would like to see him get a real chance uh, to be the guy. Maybe, maybe this is that chance. Uh, I mean, if not now, when for Mason Rudolph. So hopefully this is the year. Yep, hopefully so. I think it's one of his last – it might be his last shot, certainly in Pittsburgh. And, and you know, once you – once you don't make it with one team, you got to try to latch on as a backup. So hopefully this can be a year where he really establishes himself in the NFL. So it's kind of, it's really exciting watching these guys at the next level. And I think guys like Jalen Warren and Malcolm are proving why Mike Gundy won like he did last year. I mean, they, they had legit NFL talent, even though they're not, you know, rated highly in the NFL draft. So that's exciting. All right, Colby, time for bullets and BBs. What do you got for me? Bullet, Carson, my bullet. This was an easy one. For me, the golf nerd that I am, Maya Stark goes over to Northern Ireland. She does not have full status on the LPGA Tour as of this morning. What does she do? She goes out today, fires a little 10 under 63 in the final round on the LPGA to win the tournament by five shots over some of the best in the world, gain full status on the LPGA, former Oklahoma State cowgirl, Maya Stark. I mean, this is, this is playing for your career, Carson. I mean, you know, on the LPGA especially – I mean, unless you're just really one of the, the good players out there, there's not a lot of money in it when you're chasing it. 
You need to be on that tour. You need to have full status. You need to be playing in all the events. And Maya Stark was chasing that dream. And man, that dream was realized today. 10 under par in the final round. Conditions weren't that easy. I mean, she came from behind and ran away uh, from the field. So five-shot win for Maya Stark. Gets her full status at that level, the the highest level uh, of women's professional golf. Really, really impressive. Oh, that's big time. That, that was really exciting, and that's that's awesome. I mean, I, it's really cool to see those players make up, uh, step up at the, the pro level, and and get a W. That's just it's so hard to win golf tournaments, as you saw. Will Zalatoris just you know three three playoff holes just to get it done. It's just it's it's so hard in, in the men's and the women's game for sure. Uh, let's see here for my bullet. I am going to go with one Malcolm Rodriguez. A lot of for the reasons I, I mentioned, but you know, it was posed a question was posed to me, and I, you know, I don't like the Mount Rushmore talk. I think it's kind of, you know, it's it's radio you do in the summertime when no one's playing any games. But uh, I had a follower ask me about Mike Gundy's Mount Rushmore and what players would be on it, and I kind of said this at the end of the last season. Like, I think there's a case to be made that that Malcolm Rodriguez is the best defensive player, just in terms of college football player that Mike Gundy's had. I thought he should have not only been a Blitnikoff finalist, I thought he should have won the award. And so we're not going to hold that against him that he didn't based on idiot voters that took a dude from Wyoming to the ceremony. Instead, I put him up there with the, the guys who have, you know, been all American have won, you know, some national awards. Markel Martin comes to mind at the safety position. I just, he's was an unbelievable player and we all know this, but I think it's important to kind of put that in perspective of just how good he was. And I think he's showing that at the NFL level. So I just, I can't say enough good things about the guy and I can't wait to watch him next week on hard knocks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It is. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, for my BB Carson, I, I didn't have a strong BB this week. Um, I thought about going injuries, but I'm just going to, I'm going to circle back to golf. Uh, that's kind of my lane. Carson, Ricky Fowler sneaks in the playoffs at number 125. Ricky Fowler needs a high finish this week at the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis. Ricky Fowler is seven under par yesterday afternoon as he walks to the 18th tee box. I mean, he's got himself in position. Get it in the clubhouse. Maybe you make three or four on 18. Give yourself a chance to go out and shoot on 65 on Sunday and keep your season going. Ricky Fowler proceeds to make a quintuple bogey nine on the 18th hole at TPC Southwind in Memphis. Two balls in the water, complete disaster, uh, effectively ending his season on Saturday afternoon. It was great that he made the playoffs, uh, good for his status and all that stuff. But the Saturday nine, by the way, he double bogeyed the same hole on Friday after putting one in the water. Uh, So it took him 15 shots to play that par four two times on Friday and Saturday. Uh, And that is just pretty, pretty brutal, Carson. Yikes. I mean, he's, I, I was kind of shocked he made the top 125 and I, I know there's reasons for that, but whew, I mean, he, he actually played really well early in the tournament, but he just, the guy that finished in the top four of all four majors just isn't there anymore. And I don't know why that is. I think he, he's not the longest guy. He's not short by any means, but he's definitely not one of the power hitters. Maybe the, the game has just passed him by somewhat. So, but I don't know. I just don't think Ricky's ever going to get back to that level, unfortunately, because he's such a great representative, signs autographs for hours after his rounds. And, and uh, so, yeah. But my, my BB goes to the guy, the one guy who voted Texas number one in the, in the uh, coaches poll. Whatever coach that was should be fired on the spot. That's a really good one. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, no, that's, I was expecting more elaboration there, but that's all you need to say. Whoever voted 
Texas number one. Here's a question. Do they all get to vote? Who gets to vote? Like, was that just Sarkeesian or is this somebody else? I don't think they all vote. They don't, not every coach in division one gets to vote. So that's, it's going to be anonymous. Although I, I think we know who votes and who doesn't. So maybe we can narrow it down. I'm not sure, but I don't know. It's a joke. And that guy should lose his job. Hopefully it wasn't Mike Gundy. Uh, surely it was not Mike Gundy. I cannot imagine that Mike Gundy, knowing he owns what Texas, Texas he wouldn't been, vote the number one. I was going to say, knowing what Texas has been and knowing that every time he's walked down into Austin for about the last decade, he's walked out of there happy, I can't imagine it would be Mike Gundy. All right, Cole, we were out of time. Get us out of here. We'll see you next week, guys. Absolutely. Everybody have a good week. We inch ever closer to football season. Thanks for listening once again. Go Pokes!